Wonderful. Thank you so much, Paul and Liz. Yeah, those prayers really echo, I guess, what we're, what we're hoping for, praying for, what today's going to be about. I'm so excited to be with you. My name's Andy. If you don't know who I am, I'm one of the elders here at Christ First. I'm joined by a crowd almost today of like five people. We've got the Abrahams, got Jeffrey over the back there. Just a couple of very quick announcements before I dive into my preach. We've got a quiz night coming this week uh, on Thursday evening, 8 o'clock. Uh, quiz night is always really popular, great fun. Please do invite friends to that, especially if they've not been before. We've got kind of a regular crowd of uh, 50, 50 people odd, but great to have more there. Um, and also Wednesday night is our first time we're going to be having a Wednesday night prayer evening, 8 till 9 p.m. over this season of Lent. Um, so I'll talk about that again later. I thought Aaron did a fantastic job last week of just setting us up to talk about and to learn about uh, prayer, real challenging preach. I don't feel today is going to be any less challenging. In fact, I was up till two o'clock in the morning wrestling with this preach, feeling like I just need to be sure what God wants to challenge us in. Um, and I'm just praying that by His Holy Spirit today it speaks to you because um, I'm going to end with a strong challenge. I think a bold one, but I want to make it. I feel God wants me to make it, and that challenge is to me. I'm part of this family. I'm not an elder set apart. I'm a, I'm a part of this family, this church family. So whatever I preach and whenever I preach, it applies to me as much as it does, does to any of you. Um, all right, so uh, let me... Sorry, we're, we're a bit far ahead in here. My, let me go to this. Um, I like cheese. In fact, I gave up cheese for Lent, if you listened to my video. I like cheese, I have to confess. I like red wine. Um, when those two come together and hit my taste bud, there's something very special go, goes on. Add in chutney, a good, look, Hannah's nodding ferociously, had a good chutney in, and there's something more than just cheese, wine, and chutney going on. I will call it bliss, but there's something happening in the middle of that combination of things that is so special. Um, I like this one. I like vanilla ice cream. I like chocolate chips, and I like cookie dough. Put them together into Ben and Jerry's cookie dough ice cream and something magical happens in that middle part. These are called Venn diagrams, by the way, if you've never heard of them. This idea of when things merge, what does the overlaps mean? That sweet spot in the middle is that point at which you hit something really special. I'm not going to continue to advertise. We are not sponsored by Ben and Jerry's. Um, Sorry if you're fasting during this, by the way. That probably just didn't help at all, especially if you're fasting from chocolate, ladies. Um, but, you know, this, this idea of, like, what happens when things come together? What, what, what's uniquely special about when things come together? Today is a blend of things, I hope. Today, I hope, is a, is a blend of the Word of God and the Spirit at work and in me and in you. And as those things come together, we're looking for the bit that when they're together, yeah? When they are kind of one. Reading the Word is good, but without the Spirit... It can be dry. Being in the spirit without the word means you're not grounding yourself. Those two things together are so exciting and so much more powerful. Um, I want to uh, actually recommend a book to you as well to, that might help you during this series. Um, Aaron actually mentioned it to me. I, I got hold of it and, it and I can't put it down. I think it's one of the first books in many years when I felt from a point of view of what it's covering it's really very challenging, very interesting. It's called this. It's called A Praying Life. It's by uh, Paul Miller. Um, you know, like any book, it's not perfect. There's bits in it I think, well, I don't know if I quite align with that, but at the core of it is such a great teaching on prayer because it's really very, very real. It's a real book for me. Um, let me even read a quote to you from it, and you'll see what I mean. Uh, it says this in one of the, the sort of opening chapters. The most common frustration 
is the act of praying itself. We last about 15 seconds and then out of nowhere, the day's to-do list pops into our head and our minds are off on a tangent. We catch ourselves and by sheer force of will, go back to praying. Before we know it, it's happened again. Instead of praying, we're doing a confused mix of wondering and worrying. And then the guilt sets in. Something must be wrong with me. Other Christians don't seem to have this trouble praying. After five minutes, we give up saying, I am not good at this. I might as well get some work done. I don't know about you, but that sounds very familiar to me. In my prayer life, there's times when I'm thinking, I start to pray, and then suddenly I'm thinking about cornflakes. I'm thinking, where did I, how do I end up here? So I go, oh, come on, Andy, come on, snap out of it. And next thing I'm thinking about Weedabix. You know, it's sort of, something's going on, and that's a struggle. And, and I could get very deep into the battle that's going on in the, in the spiritual realm to try and distract us from prayer, because prayer is a powerful thing. So it's natural to struggle when we struggle not to pray. But, but, but the point is, when we look at someone like Martin Luther and what he says about this, it's so important to us that it becomes much more natural, as was prayed by Paul and Liz, like, not a chore but a joy. How does that happen? Because Martin Luther says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. That's quite deep and challenging, even in a simple phrase. Well, if I'm not, to be a Christian who doesn't pray, that's just like being, you can't be alive without breathing. It's really challenging. And the scripture that I want to talk about, the scripture that everyone loves to quote, it's actually the most popular scripture that's now searched for online. It used to be John 3.16. We've talked about this before, if you remember. It used to be John 3.16 was the most popular scripture that people knew. But the most popular Googled scripture is now the one that says this from Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, plans to give you a future and a hope or sometimes the word prospers in there and that gets lots of people excited because it's like oh God has plans for me and there's plans to prosper me and that's one of the greatest sort of travesties of looking at this scripture it, God's heart is for you as a person don't let's not get that wrong but actually that scripture being quoted out of context misuses it and loses so much of what it's trying to say it's not written to an individual it's written to a people to a corporate gathering of people. I don't know if you remember years ago, uh, I read out from the Yal version of the Bible, where they changed all the yous, where they're supposed to be groups to Yal, you all. And this is one of those. And that's one of the trage tragedies of not recognizing that this is addressed to a people. I have plans for you. But what's even more interesting is when you take that you all concept further on and you go into the next two verses, because like most uh, soundbite culture scripture verses. You can only fit so much on a coffee mug, so we only quote one verse. We don't want to go for the next two bits. But the next two bits are actually really important because the next two bits say this. Then you all will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you all. You all will seek me and find me when you all seek me with all of your heart. God is offering, in fact, he's promising, as God is true to his word, to, to draw near to us, to come close to us. When God makes an offer, I want to take it. And God offers, I want to come near to you. How do we therefore get near to him? Through prayer. It says through prayer. Through prayer, come near to me. God is first 
and foremost the focus of all prayer. He's the focus of adoration prayer. Seeking him out with all of our hearts first. Let me start another one of those Venn diagrams and talk about this a bit more. So here you have, that will be on the left in a bit, adoration. Adoration. The first line of the the Westminster Shorter Catechism, if you know what that is, it says in there, enjoy God forever. The chief end of man. And it has in that line, to, to enjoy God forever. That sounds like a wonderful invitation into a relationship of a child and a father. To enjoy him forever means we're in a, we must be in a relationship. Again, Paul Miller in his book points out that most Christians get that idea of and can explain that idea of being like adopted. We use the term, I'm a child of God. So we, we understand the principle of sonship and that when we come to Jesus, we are adopted as sons and daughters. We're called children of God, but he, want, he challenges us and says, well, if we're children of God, there's not much of a relationship there for a lot of us. In fact, there's little or no relationship. We don't talk to God. He goes as far as to say, actually, we have a dysfunctional relationship with God because if you have a father and a son and there's no communication, that would be dysfunctional. So we claim we had a, have an intimate relationship But in reality, we don't. So theoretically, it's close. But he says practically, it's distant. And here's the challenge. Here's the the difficult bit, or one of the many challenges I feel for today. It's not on him. That's on me. That's on us. He moved towards us cosmically. Like big time, big story, big move from heaven He came. He has come close to us. He created this earth and and all of its beauty. He created the stars and the universe and everything we see in creation is all a work of his hands. And yet, no matter what he did to create, we sin against him. We rebel. We abuse this creation. We scourge the earth. We scorch its land. We don't treat this planet that he created well. He created it, and we seem to think of it as disposable. We don't look after each other that well. We can be selfish, we can be short-tempered, we can be inconsistent, we can even be violent, we can be destructive, we can be uncaring, and yet, and yet, he sees all of that going on, that mess that we've created, and it's offensive to him. And it's offensive to him because he said, look what I created. Look, you're not even treating each other well. Locally, nationally, globally. He looks at that and we say, fair enough. Fair enough. Have mercy on me. Because you can't be with me anymore if I'm, this is the truth of who I am. We say, have mercy on us. We cry out to him and he says, okay, child. I hear you. I am a God who is slow to anger, swift to bless, full of mercy and grace. Repent. Repent of that. And you'll need to atone, to to suffer the consequences of that sin. And you think, hang on a second, if I was to suffer the consequences of that sin, that would be hell. Literally. But God says, rightly, you would need to pay for it with your life. But I'm going to make a way. I'm going to put my perfect son 
between me and you, and he's going to pay that price for you. He's going to pay that price. He's going to take that on his shoulders on a cross. He's going to die for your sin, and after three days, I'm going to raise him up to prove that he has conquered death. If you can believe in that, then that sin that separated you and me is dealt with. It's dealt with, and now you can come to me confidently. We can have a relationship. If you're not stunned, if you're not taken aback, I'm taken aback when I write it, when I read it. The, the incredible grace of God, his love and his desire to say there's a massive barrier between me and you because of what you're doing. We're, we're not, we don't have a relationship. I know a way to fix that. Here it is. It's my own son. I'm going to give him. And he says he'll take that. And he then draws you in. Are you not stunned at the moment? Are you not like, whoa, hang on a second. He is mighty to save, gracious and compassionate, at this moment right now, listening to what I've just said, if I asked you to pray, what would you pray? I've just introduced some of you, reminded you of the gospel, the creator of heaven and earth, offers forgiveness for sin, adoption as a son and a daughter. What is on your mind to pray? Is it your to-do list? Or is it, oh my God, oh my God, the right use of that phrase or is it something like this? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Liz Hollop's going to cover the Lord's Prayer in a couple of weeks' time. I cannot wait because Liz is a fantastic teacher. But that first line is a reaction to a realization, a reintroduction, a reorientation around who God is. And then we say, oh, my word, my Father, our Father, we even sung it today. In heaven, hallowed be your name. Prayer is first and foremost about seeking God. When we pray, how fast do we go past words of adoration, words of wonder at his grace and his mercy and get straight onto the list of things that we want him to do? Do we see his mercy, his love, his grace? If we don't, this is why. We don't get to know him. He offered this as a way, one of the many ways, but one of the key ways to get to know him. I'm often uncomfortable, as you are, when someone says, how often are you reading your Bible? I know, you know, we all know. We want to know more. We want to see his amazing grace at work. The Bible offers that. We did Exodus recently. We did a One True God series. Exodus, the, the Old Testament, tells stories of everything that we've tried to do, that God's tried to do to help us over many generations, kings and leaders. The Exodus from um, Egypt for the Israelites and how we gave them what they needed. And, and it's always about how we get close, but somehow when we try some things that involve us as people, it kind of fails, it falls away. Every king fails, and anything that relies on us seems to fail in the end. And we say, Lord, save us. And he does. In Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but do we not want to get under the skin of that? Into the mind of a God that, that loves us in that way, that shows his grace and his mercy, his love is unfailing. You and I, we need to feed our adoration. Our prayer, otherwise, our prayer life is going to be dry, distant, and short-term. If you're wondering sometimes, as I have, you know, I need to really kick up my prayer life, so therefore I'm going to need to do these things. And I look at models and ways of doing it. 
All I would say is I was challenged as I was preaching. Andy, start with your adoration of me. Remind yourself who I am. Because even if you can be bothered to turn up at a prayer meeting, if you don't have that, you're going to get bored. You'll turn up once or twice and you won't come again because it's not doing things for me. I think I'm boring compared to God. I'm boring compared to God. Paul says it in his own words. He says he considers everything loss to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He says, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. I'm boring compared to God. So if I turn up at a prayer meeting centered on me, I'm going to get bored. If I turn up to a prayer meeting centered on God, it's just an adventure. It's an opportunity. It's a chance to, perhaps even if I'm quiet, listen to others declare his goodness and pray to him. I know I'm shouting a bit. It's not a problem. Because there's a desperation in me to change my prayer life, to change our prayer life. Aaron and I, as you heard last week, this series wasn't going to happen. It came out of nowhere. We said, just feel that God's leading us into this. Let's do it. Because there's something in us that's desperate to see a change in our personal prayer lives and our prayer life as a church. Which leads me to the next point, the next the side of the, the diagram, as it were, transformation. The other side is this idea about the passion to see something change. I could almost call this side desperation, but that's not a that's not a good positive thing. We're looking for transformation. And if you're reading your psalm book, you'll know how many of the psalms start in this kind of way. There's a declaration of God's goodness, and then there's a cry for transformation. Psalm uh, 18 is up there. I love you, Lord. O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And David then goes on to list his circumstances. This is where I am. And he says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. So the other reason we want to pray is we want to see change, transformational change, personally, yes, but locally, nationally, globally, internationally. We want to see change. And if you look at any model for change, and I'm not going to do it today, I'm going to be too businessy, and that's something I do for a profession. But any model for change, they always generally start with the phrase, create a sense of urgency. That's generally there. There has to be a driving reason you want to see something change. Or you'll never get through the rest of any change journey you want to take on. We should call not for just minor tweaks. We want to call for significant change that makes us hungry inside, thirsty. We even sung this morning. Thirsty for you to heal our land. We should be desperate that we see change more than that's just in front of us right now, the issues that face us today. They are important to God, I'll come back to that, but, but we want to see transformational change. Not, and that can be personal too, transformational change in your life, transformational change in a nation. Well, if we start with adoration, then the other thing we want to talk is about transformation. That's when we say, well, what's, big, what's the biggest transformation I can think of? 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the biggest transformational change we can call for. We can get specific later, but we want to call your kingdom come. Because in God's kingdom, everything is right, good, just. Everyone in his kingdom is free, free from sin, free from persecution, free from anxiety. So rather than dive into the specifics of Marjorie's dodgy hip, we'll get there. We start with things we most want to see, which is his kingdom would come. Because in his kingdom, we're free, we're secure. There's no more pain, there's no more suffering. We want that for everyone we love. We want that for a nation. We want as much of that in our lives as we can get. And we offer ourselves into the mission of that. Your kingdom might come because when it comes, Marjorie's dodgy hip gets healed, but Marjorie gets saved from her sin. Marjorie, well, I don't know a Marjorie, by the way. Marjorie gets to know God. Marjorie gets freedom and peace. Marjorie gets eternal life. Marjorie gets Jesus. I wonder if there's a Marjorie on today because you're, you're being blessed right now. My point is when God's kingdom comes, it's much more than just the hip. It's the whole person. It's the whole nation. It's the whole of a government. When your kingdom comes, governments are impacted. Nations shift. People are treated as valued. When God's kingdom comes, my brother Neil returns to the faith. My son is less frustrated. My daughter walks confidently with Jesus. My wife is free from worry. My neighbor is made well. My friend at work who's going through a cancer scare is at peace. Your kingdom come in the big story and those things will come with it. We want the kingdom to come above all things. But then we can get into specifics. Then we can get into supplication as they come together. Adoration, transformation, supplication. Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, after telling the church to rejoice in the Lord, adoration, he says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We can get specific. God asks us to have a conversation with him. He calls us into relationship. If that relationship is no longer distant and dysfunctional, we can then say, Father, I'm really troubled about this. Can you please guide our government to make the right decisions about COVID? Can you please heal Mika's eczema? These are things you would bring up in conversation with your father, who you adore as he comes close to you and you come close to him. And as you'll see in the Lord's Prayer, after we say, on earth as it is in heaven, it says, give us this. The supplication comes. I'm going to leave that to Liz. I'm just going to take a pause because that was a lot <laughs> and I've still got 10, 15 minutes to go and a bit more to say. Um, I could stop there, but I feel God wants me to bring this into the corporate setting for us. Maybe we'll just pause for a moment, breathe. I want to make an offer while we're doing that. That message of the gospel that Jesus has died for you is new to you or is something you know about, but you've never really explored it fully to understand what it means to, to come to Jesus, to give your life to Jesus, to have that gap between you and God taken away, to have a relationship with God, a true one, not just a, well, I kind of like being around godly people or I like being around a church. If you want more than that, and there's nothing wrong with being around godly people, 
but you want the relationship, that's an offer, you can type me into the chat box at any time in the next 15 minutes or so. And Aaron and Megan are waiting to speak to you later. They can chat to you about what that means. You don't have to make any commitment there. You may make a full commitment there. Who knows? But a chance to explore what it means to be in a close relationship with God. Just type me in the chat box. You can do it to everyone or you can do it to Christ first. That's just to Jeffrey back there. We'll see that and we'll put you in a room. And you can just have a chat with Aaron and Megan about that. It's important we made that offer. Because the closeness comes because Jesus removes the barrier that separates us from God. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about what it means to be together. Pray like a choir. If you can take any more Venn diagrams, here's and I'll just put the whole thing up this time. On the left, on my left, I hope it's on your left, you can see solo. That is singing alone, a voice alone. This has its place. We love the solo artists. You know, Ed Sheeran, Adele, two of the biggest selling global artists, happen to be Brits. Yeah, you go, Britain. But they are solo artists, and they sing alone. In fact, if you've ever seen Ed Sheeran live, and I have, um, I'm not a massive fan, but he's very interesting to watch live. He builds up using a, uh, a looping pedal, tools, lots of voices on top of his own, but he's there on his own. He plays solo completely, just him and a guitar. And he builds up songs, but he, at times he's just singing just him, just his voice. Placido, Placido Domingo, opera singers, others like that, we, we just listen to a single voice coming through. And like that, praying alone has its place. It, it, it's beautiful in itself. In fact, Jesus, he'll come up next week, tells his disciples, go lock yourself away and pray alone in your room. There's a, there's a place for that. And we'll hear more about it next week, as I said. But as I open with that quote from Jeremiah, much of the prayer in the Bible is done by people called to pray together. You all. Paul does this. He often asks a church. He says this, and it's on the screen there in Ephesians 6.19. Pray also for me. He's asking the church, will you all pray for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. He's asking them, will you all do this, please? Not just, hey, Mike. Don't know Mike either. Hey, Mike, could you pray for me? It's good. But actually, um, this is important to me. I want to ask, would you all pray for this? In Acts 12, 5 to 7, we read another great example of this. This is when I spoke about this actually recently. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with, the, uh, with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And look what happens. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. Pray as a church and this happens. Now we don't know if it was a prayer meeting. We don't know that. Every chance he was just saying, spread this word around the church, please. Can you all be praying for me right now? Same with Paul. Let's be praying for Peter. Let's be praying for Paul. That, that message going throughout the church. There will be times of gathered, times alone, but we're all, we're all praying for this specific thing. And when we're all praying together for something, that's more like unison. That's more like unison. We are independent of each other, but we're all kind of trying to say or pray the same thing possibly with the same note. We're not conscious of what other people are praying, we're just aware we're all doing it. 
The result is it's very loud, it's very powerful. Football crowds sing in unison. You know, they just all sing, well, this is how I know the, what we call the melody. This is it, I'm just going to sing it. We're all going to sing the same thing. And there'll be different types of voices, but we're all basically singing the same note. And it's really loud, and it's really powerful when that unison's going on. Everything's happening at the same time. And that's like the 40 days of prayer where we're asking the church, we're calling the church to pray about similar things during the same day. It's great, it's really powerful, because we are one voice, one mind at that moment. But there's something else, and it's there in the middle. It's when you bring solo in you, but you bring it into a congregational setting, a corporate setting, and you hear what others are singing, as it were, in a choir, what others are praying, and you bring your bit. You add something to it. You add a note, you add a, a flavour. I was actually listening to Hannah, she's very bossy with her family actually, instructing them in all their harmony parts today. She's going, you sing this, Dan, Dan, you sing that, and I'll sing this, and don't say that until this word, you come in on that word. Literally, so you come in on that word, Sue, mum, sorry, and you come in on that word. And they did, they kind of waited, and then there was a moment when they're, right, I'll sing, and then they were adding, adding, adding. My parents have my pity. Um... <laughs> It's different from unison. It's different from just singing together. And here's when the technology will see if it works for us. I want to play something to you. Um, hopefully this is going to work. No one send me a WhatsApp right now because it'll come through loud and clear on my phone. This is um, Oh Holy Night. Do you remember it from Christmas? We recorded um, Ali, Esther and Hannah singing here. What you're going to hear is each one of them singing in solo. Then I want to ask you, at what point does something at the back of your head go, whoa, let's have a listen. That's Hannah singing solo. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of my dear Saviour's birth. That's Esther singing solo. In sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul Ali singing. It's all beautiful. The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Now something else happened. listen to the whole thing as you could unless you've got a heart of stone and ears that are plugged in plugged out it's plugged sorry I'm sure you were the same like the moment that harmony hit it's the same three girls the same three singers go solo 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 and they're all beautiful singers and I'm appreciating them and then something goes Ben and Jerry's cookie ice cream at that moment something in that moment is cheese wine and chutney something more happens as those three Voices come together, and I feel it. I feel it in my spirit. 
I hope it's, pray it's anointed by the Holy Spirit, but I feel it in my spirit. Something rises in me and goes, whoa, that's so sweet. I listened to that because I did the video like hundreds of times. I never got bored of that moment when they went full and the voices came. They separated out into different notes, different phrases. It's so beautiful. That is harmony. That is harmony. It's sitting in the middle. That's the difference when we pray together gathered it's not solo, because you're not alone. It's not unison, because we are actually together. And we're all contributing and adding. It's harmony. It's beautiful. And then the Holy Spirit is at the center of all that. God is the center of focus. Jesus has enabled the relationship. In that moment, there's something beautiful. Scale that up to a choir. I went to see a Welsh male voice choir once with, um, with Peter and Jill Wiles. I just loved it. And it's not like that's my style of music, but the beauty of their singing is they went into four and five part harmonies and people were taking sections and there was just occasionally a word or a solo and it all just came together so beautifully. So beautiful. That's what happens at a prayer meeting. Some bring a melody, some bring a first harmony, some bring a second harmony, some just say a word. And there's something special, beautiful happens that cannot happen in any other setting. A paper by a guy called Jonathan Graff reads this. A powerful dynamic occurs when an entire congregation prays at the same time. You know where I'm going, right? You know where I'm going. So let's just go there. When we pray when there's just six or nine of us and we do that Tuesdays and Thursdays, it's good, it's good, I enjoy it, it's great. But it's nowhere near as great as it could be. Because we need more harmony. We need to hear more voices. We want to be like a Welsh male voice choir, voice choir. You know, that kind of, whoa, that is amazing. Listen to that. Look what's, I don't know what's happening, but this is amazing. More harmony in the prayer life of this church is what we're desiring. This Thursday lunchtime just gone. We had a good prayer meeting. It's better attended than normal, I think, because we were, but it was still it was nine or ten, I think. Sometimes it's just two or three. But there was lots of different prayers going on. There was long prayers, short prayers, people just listening in and perhaps praying, just listening, getting used to it. But there was people who were eloquent, people who just said some very simple, but all powerful, all great. It's your voice. Don't put on a show. No one's expecting you to turn up and sound like a theologian if you're not a theologian. We're supposed to be in relationship together, relationship with God. He doesn't want people turning up and faking some kind of an alternative praying voice, praying words. I never say thus in conversation. Why would I say thus, Lord, will you... I don't say thus down Tesco. What am I doing? <laughs> Amen. Um, but I tell you what, on Thursday, if you were there, you'll know what I'm going to say. There was one prayer. We all went, oh, and there wasn't a dry eye or an unlumped throat in the group. Mika praise. Mika praise. Just a simple gospel-centered prayer of faith. And we all go, oh, I can't. We were all, and then we all just... <laughs> cried and clapped because she brought something that wouldn't if Mika was not there it wouldn't have been such a special prayer meeting what did Mika bring a theological study a six-page report on what she believes and then she prayed off the back of it no she just prays this simple beautiful prayer Jesus says come to me like a child and there's something beautiful about that bold confident not overcomplicated. just bring what you bring do I adore you yes come to me like a child then and tell me and let your brothers and sisters hear it you're adding to the harmony and it's beautiful. Start simple if you want. Maybe come and say nothing. Just listen and watch the rehearsal, the choir rehearsal. Go on and think, right, next time I'm going to, start, I'm going to be part. I'm going to jump in. 
And I have another challenge, a bit, a bit of a final one before I get to my big challenge. If you're an experienced person, if you've, you've, you know how to pray, you've been doing it for years, you're eloquent, you're good at it, you're an expert perhaps, you're someone who's really good and confident in your prayer life, please come and bless us. Please come and bless us. What are you thinking? I've got this amazing prayer capability, so I don't need to go to a prayer meeting. It's not for you. It's for God and it's for us. Come and pray with us. Please, once in a while, you've got many opportunities. Occasionally, if you can do it, we'd be blessed by it. You'll be like the professional singer who joins the community choir. We're like, whoa, that's so cool. It helped us all get better. Thank you so much. Please come again. (laughs) I have a blunt challenge to lay down for us all. Tuesday, 8 a.m., Wednesday, 8 p.m., Thursday, 12.30 in the middle of the day. We've made three opportunities. This week, we will add in the Wednesday night, like I said, 8 o'clock. Aaron and I are going to be here, and we're going to call the church to pray. One of them? Please. I'm not trying to make you say, you have to. It's kind of part of the rules of your membership. If you don't come, you're out. No, I'm saying, please come. I want to see, I want to be in a place of harmony. I want to be in a place where I can hear each other pray, even if it's just a word. Or even just to know you're there and we're kind of, we're together in this sweet moment when we've got solo, us individuals coming together because we've been in unison and we hit this bit in the middle when we're in harmony. We are less without you. Calm, adoring God, desiring to see transformation in his kingdom come. Understand the power that Paul and Peter and Jeremiah and Moses and Joshua and you know what God himself declared he said then you all will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you all and you all will seek me and find me when you all seek me with all your heart there's something God is saying that is special Jesus says go and pray alone yes don't think of those two as mutually exclusive wherever that phrase goes there's this call Come together, all of you, and pray. Look at that, one minute left. (laughs) I hope that challenged you, blessed you. I hope it did. If your prayer life, you know it needs a restart, you know it needs a reorientation, so that it's a joy, like Paul and Liz prayed, not a chore. All you need to do is kind of, at least to make a move towards that, perhaps today is to type in the chat window if you want prayer for that. You can type to everyone or to Christ first prayer, male and prayer, female, so we can put men and women in two rooms. And there'll be people in there ready to pray for you. We have a wonderful prayer team, praying that the Holy Spirit will come and clear out the clutter, kind of help you and you kind of, let me just reset myself for prayer because hopefully you were challenged by this and you want to do that, but you know that Look, Monday's coming and I'll run straight back into the same things I ran to before. Something needs to kind of get me off this track onto that. Prayer. (laughs) You want to pray? Be prayed for. There's a wonderful prayer team. I love them waiting to pray for you. Pray for you. Be blessed, church. Those prayer rooms are open now. Um, Jeff, if you start typing, Jeff will sort of allocate you. Give him a minute to put you into those rooms. Come on, guys. Get prayer to pray. And if, if you're left in this room, then after people have gone off to those prayer rooms you can have a a bit of a social time in this main room. Reminder, like I said before, besides those requests for prayer for people who know the Lord but just want to kind of really reorientate their prayer life, if you want to know more about Jesus, if you're hearing about him when I shared the gospel of his reconciling your relationship with God, you just want to know more about Jesus, you can just type me in that chat window and 
Aaron and Megan will be happy to talk to you as well. Bless you, church. Have a wonderful week. Look forward to seeing you uh, at one of the prayer meetings, I hope, and sometime during the week. Be blessed and uh, take care.